0: Today we're in part two of this series on legacy. And last week we started out by talking about why we exist as a church. You know, we don't exist as a church because God was bored and he just thought Middle Tennessee needed another church. You know, it's, it's not like, well, you know, there's just not enough churches in Middle Tennessee. And so God was like, you know, I think we're just going to put another one here. We'll call it Seeds Church. We'll make a big pun out of it because we're going to plant a church and it'll be plant Seeds Church. That's not why God did it. That's not why he did it. He, didn't did it. he didn't do it because we just needed another place for us to worship. He has a specific purpose in mind. And that the reason why God planted Seeds Church in Middle Tennessee is because he wanted the people that call this church home currently, and all the people that will call this church home, he wanted us to make an eternal impact right here in our everyday lives, right here in Middle Tennessee and wherever it is that our feet touch this earth. And so we can have a significant impact on eternity. We exist so that people, other people besides us, that they can know God, that they can follow Jesus. We want to walk with each other on the path to finding freedom from the things that are trying to slow us down. We want to discover our God-given purposes together. And then we want to activate those purposes in such a way that, again, it makes a difference. Not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but it makes a difference for eternity. We exist to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And this is what legacy is all about. Like I said last week, it's in our name, Seeds Church, a seed. You take that seed, you plant it, you cultivate it, it grows it bears fruit, and inside that fruit is more seeds. It's legacy. And legacy is simply this. It's making a difference that outlives us. Legacy is making a difference that outlives us. Legacy is about eternity, and eternity is our great motivation for the way that we live our everyday lives. Eternity is what ought to be in focus. It, it ought to be the filter for our everyday decisions, James chapter four tells us that our life here on earth is like a vapor—not like vaping, but like a vapor. It's like whew, a puff of smoke. It's here today; it's gone tomorrow. It makes me think of, of, of Jamie's uncle Dan, who just passed away three weeks ago at the age of sixty-three. You know, when I was when I was young, I thought that sixty-three was old. I thought anyone in their 60s was old. The more now I'm in middle age, I realize 60s is not that old. (laughs) And and her Uncle Dan passed, and and, um, it breaks my heart. You know, life is just like a vapor. You just never know. We're not promised tomorrow. You know, we only have a small window of time here on earth, but during that window of time... We have the opportunity and the responsibility to live our lives in such a way that it makes a difference for all of eternity. Eternity is the great motivator for the way we make decisions in our everyday lives. Jamie told me that her family back in Iowa, she got word that all the family left back there that they were not going to get together for a big Thanksgiving dinner because they were just still reeling with the pain from the loss of Dan. And I can't understand that. I just have no like, concept of why in the world would you not get together? Why in the world would you not take this opportunity to be together as a family? And then she said to me, well, they have no eternal perspective. Most of her family, not all of them, but a great portion of her family back in Iowa, they have no eternal perspective. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, now that kind of makes sense. I mean, if, if I had the same perspective that they had, then I probably would respond in the same way. But my experience is different, praise God, because, you know, yes, we may have temporary losses. That might be with loved ones. That might be in other ways. But those losses are temporary. But if we're in Christ... We have a different perspective. We have an eternal perspective. We have this blessed hope. We have the promise that on the other side of eternity, that we're going to get to see those loved ones who were surrendered to Christ. Thank goodness. Eternal perspective gives us hope. It gives us hope for what our lives are going to be like after this life. But it has to have an effect on the way that we live our lives today. It has to have an effect on the way that we make decisions today, eternity is like the great filter through which we just kind of like are, have to like filter through or mill through our everyday decisions. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about this. You know, P- Timothy was a young pastor, and this is what Paul, the the Apostle, told Pastor Timothy. This is how I want you, what I want you to tell to the people that you're pastoring. He says this in First Timothy chapter six. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world. So right there at the very beginning of this part right here, Paul is making the distinction between there's a present world that we're living in and then there's a coming age. And Paul's saying, hey, those who are rich in this present world right now in this moment, in this present present world, not the coming age, but tell them... Command them not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. You know, a wonderful thing is is this. It doesn't matter whether you have a, a lot of money in your bank account or very little money in your bank account. You can still be rich in good deeds, either one, either way command them to do good, command them to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for when? For when? The coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So Paul's saying the life that is truly life is actually... Not what we're, what we're experiencing right now. The life that is truly life is in the coming age, but what we do now today makes a difference so that we can have the life that is truly life. Paul's saying this, there's a life beyond this life. There's this present world, and then there's the coming age. And where you want to spend the majority of your investments... Where you want to spend the majority of the investments of your life and where you want to pour your life into is where you're not going to necessarily get the return on what you're going to see here in this present world, but in the coming age. Now listen, don't put any words in my mouth and don't, don't say that I said, well, you don't need to worry about like how you spend or save or invest while you're here on earth. It is very, it is a very right thing, it is a very good thing, it is a very wise thing to Take the resources that you have here on earth and do, do right with them. Invest them wisely. Is it so that you can just you know enjoy all the luxuries of this life? No, it's not because of that. It's actually so that it, it sets you up for success to actually better invest into the coming age. So why is it important? Why is it so important that we focus on eternity? Why is it so important that we we focus the investment of our lives into the coming age and not so much the enjoyment of the pleasures of this present world because eternity is our home. Eternity is our home. My time in this world is just temporary. It's fleeting. It's like Dan. I mean, 63 is not it's not long enough. It's not, I don't want to be gone at 63. I've got plans for my life to make more of an impact beyond 63. But I tell you what, tomorrow is not promised to me. So I've got, I've got to not wait till tomorrow. I've got not to wait till next year. I've got to not wait till five or 10 years from now. I have a responsibility of going, what am I doing today to invest into the coming age? Because eternity is my home. This present world is not my home. Eternity is. And I find myself so caught up and carried away sometimes with things that just matter in this present world. I think so many of us, it's so easy for us to do that. We get so worked up. We get so excited over good things and bad things. But they really only matter in this present age. They only matter in this present world. There's so many things that I get worked up or get excited about or get upset about but they make no eternal difference whatsoever. In, in John chapter 14, Jesus' disciples, they were experiencing the same kind of thing. They were getting caught up and they were getting carried away about something and this is what Jesus said to them. He Jesus does a redirect. He's like, "Hey, all right, you need to redirect what you're focusing on here." In John 14 verse 1, he says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus is saying, hey, redirect your attention. Stop getting carried away. Stop getting caught up, whether it's, really, whether it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. And it's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing to you know, be excited about something. It's not a bad thing necessarily to something bum you out. But what is going to rule your life? How is your life going to be directed? How is your life going to be steered? How is it going to be fueled? How is it going to be propelled? Is it going to be propelled by the motivations of the things of this present world? Or is it going to be motivated by the things of eternity because that's my home? Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't get worked up. Don't get carried away. Don't get caught up in the things of this present world. Redirect your attention to eternity. Redirect your attention to where your home is to where I'm making a home for you. See, they're focused, they were focused on the now, but Jesus had focus mainly on the later, bring more attention there. They came at Jesus with temporal problems, but Jesus gave them eternal solutions. Paul, while he was incarcerated for preaching the gospel, he wrote this to the church in Philippi, and I think it's important to understand the context. He's in prison experiencing, like, a, a bad circumstance, one of life's worst circumstances, being incarcerated for preaching the gospel. Now, now Jesus said, hey, you know, that's that's going to happen, and you ought to count it all joy, amen, when you're persecuted for my name's sake. And so, I'm sure Paul's got a good attitude, or I'm sure he's giving himself pep talks. I'm sure the Holy Spirit's giving him pep talks. But understand that Paul is not, like... in. He's not like on a beach somewhere in Cozumel, you know, sipping my ties, and he's writing this to the Philippi church, to the church of Philippi. He, he's in prison when he writes this to the Philippians. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 18. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. What is he saying? He's, their God... What they have elevated above the place of God is indulgence, self-indulgence. Their God is whatever it is that they can consume that will bring them temporary pleasure. They've made an idol out of indulgence. And, And why does Paul call them the enemies of the cross? I mean, that's pretty serious language. That's pretty hardcore language right there. Enemies of the cross? He says, because their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship, he reminds them, our citizenship is in heaven. Eternity is your home. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul does that exact same redirect that Jesus did. He's saying, hey, church, get your mind off of earthly things. Get your mind off of earthly things, things that don't amount to a hill of beans, things that when you test them by fire, they're all just going to burn up anyway. Get your mind off of those things. And be reminded of what really matters. Be reminded that eternity is our home. Now, another reason that we need to focus on eternity, another reason that we need to focus the investment of our lives into the coming age, of course, yes, because eternity is our home, but another reason is because the line is longer than the dot. Can you guys say that with me? The line is longer than the dot. You're like, what in the world does that mean? This this uh, is one of the main points from Randy Alcorn's book called the Treasure Principle, and so uh, I'm going to show this to you here in an illustration, which was really cool because I had already planned on talking about this for over a week now, but I didn't have like this grand visual for it. I just was going to explain it to you and show you something on a screen, but I was earlier this week I was just kind of scrolling through social media and I came up a, across a a little video clip of Pastor Craig Groeschel from Life Church, and he was using this illustration, which I had seen before, but I had forgotten all about it. And it was some something I'd seen years and years ago. It wasn't something even that he had come up with. And I, as soon as I saw it, I just said, "Thank you, Holy Spirit," because it it perfectly it, it is it's the perfect visual for what we're talking about here in this legacy series. And this the line is longer than the dot, and so we've got this this line here, this rope represents all of eternity, okay? And so you've got all of eternity past here, you know? And this line, this rope, this eternity line goes as long and as far as the eye can see, and it goes even further. You know, God has always will been, has always been, He always will be. He's (laughs) eternal, and that that rope just goes and goes and goes forever. And then over here, you've got eternity future, and this rope goes as far as, as the eye can see, and no one can see the end of it. And in our life is right here. This this section right here is all of human history. All of human history is right here wrapped up in this little middle section here. You have the very beginning, and there's you know, Adam and Eve right there in that little dot, and that's that's right they're right there. They're at the very beginning. And you know, Adam, God created Adam and and then God said, you know, Adam, it's not good for, for man to be alone. So, he, so Eve showed up, and Adam was like, whoa, man. And, and so then we fast forward. You. You. We, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> then we fast forward a little bit, and then we've got, uh, you know, we've got Abraham. And we've got Moses. And we've got David. We fast forward a little bit more. We've got Jesus. Oh, man. Praise God for Jesus. Yes. Praise God for this dot. Changed everything. And then we fast forward to our present age, our present era and time. You know, we've got Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. We've got 9-11. We've got you. We're right here. We're right here. <laughs> and in here, we've got all of eternity past. We've got all of of just, you know, human history, and we've got all of eternity future here. And we pour so much of our lives into this right here, this little dot right here. So much of what we get caught up, so much of what we choose to get carried away with matters this much right here. And Paul's saying, hey, our citizenship is in heaven. The line, you guys, is longer than the dot. Invest yourselves, invest your life in such a way that you're not investing into the dot, but you're investing into what's going to happen forever and ever and ever and ever. The writer of Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews chapter 11 is like, uh, kind of like the Faith Hall of Fame, if you will. And there's this long list of people who are just heroes in the faith. And, and uh, th- these are people that didn't invest in the dot. They invested in the line. And we, I, f- I think so many times we just get caught up, again, in that dot, and we get caught up with, like, what do I look like? What kind of house do I live in? What, kinda, what, what am I wearing? What do people think of me? That, those are the things we neglect the the infinite and we give attention to the finite, but Hebrews chapter eleven has all these people who they didn't they didn't neglect this they didn 't just pour themselves into the dot, they poured themselves into the line and it's interesting if you go down this long list of people in Hebrews chapter eleven, if you look at about half of the list, only about half of them. Um, had any kind of like semblance of like earthly kind of success. The whole other half of the people that are listed in there, it's like, wow, they, things actually didn't really work out for them very well here on earth. But Hebrews 11, the writer says that they are, they are all to be commended for their faith. Why? Because they didn't invest just here into the dot because they invested into the, into the line. They poured their lives out into what was really going to continue on, what was really going to matter forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They were all heroes in the faith. Why is that? How is that possible? Let's read here in Hebrews 11, verse 13. It says this. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having a hand in... uh, Excuse me. Let me start over. It's the drugs, you guys. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. Where's our home? Eternity. Eternity is our home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back at any time they wanted. But they were after, say these next two words with me, far better. Say it again. They were after a far better, a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Let's time out here just for a second. We, we just read here Hebrews 11. That there is a place waiting for us that is far better than what we're experiencing right now. Unfortunately, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about eternity. There's a lot of wrong teaching out there about what awaits us in the coming age. And because of the misconceptions, I think some people believe, some people think that what's happening here in this present world is actually going to be greater than what's to come in eternity. You know, some people live with, you know, they think of eternity, and they think that for some reason that they're going to be this little fat baby cherub who's going to be dressed in a white toga, sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, singing in a fat baby cherub choir. (laughs) And that is not eternity. That is not what the coming age looks like. As a matter of fact, that sounds a little bit like hell to me, (laughs) but... It's important to know that what awaits us in the coming age is far yeah. better. That's the truth. That's the truth. It's whatever, is, whatever God has prepared for us, it's far better. You know, the, the, it's far better. Whatever you can imagine, whatever the best is that you can imagine, eternity is far better than that. There's not going to be any war. There's not going to be any death. There's not going to be any any storms, there's not going to be tornadoes, there's not going to be traffic on Old Fort or construction on Medical Center, the hot and ready light at Krispy Kreme is going to be on all the time, in heaven, in eternity, the Tennessee Vols are going to win a national championship, I know we're not there yet, I, I would even just be satisfied if they could beat Vanderbilt, but that didn't happen yesterday either. But you know what I'm saying? Listen, we're having fun. I'm joking around. But seriously, eternity is not just like, oh, man, it's just, I'm going to be, sit, like I said, sitting around on a beach drinking my ties. That's not what, eternity is going to be spent at, at, at the feet of the throne of God. Much better. I can't wait. So why should we we talked about the why? We've talked about the why. Why should I be worried about legacy? Why should I be concerned about investing my life into the coming age? Well, number one, eternity is my home. Number two, the line is much longer than the dot. So now the question is how? How do we do it? How do we invest into the coming age? Luke chapter 12, Jesus helps us connect these dots. And this is what he said, and he tells this story. Verse 16, he says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So we got a, a, a guy who's rich, a guy who's done well for himself, and now he's even richer. He's done well. and he's, He just yielded an abundant harvest. So that's, hey, sounds like it's going off. You know, the story's getting off to a good start here. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops. So in other words, I am so rich, I don't even have enough places to put my riches. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So here he's making a little bit of a mistake here. He's done really well for himself, but now he has equated his his surplus, his wealth, with now just having extra time to to spend on himself, to indulge in. And he thinks, oh, now that I've just done so well for myself, I can just take an early retirement and spend it on myself. And this is where he makes the first mistake here. And God said to him, you fool, this very night... Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? In other words, tomorrow is not promised to us. So what are you doing with what you have today? What are you doing with the resources that you have today? What are you doing with your time, your talent, and your treasure? What are you doing with the influence that you have today? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I don't want God to call me a fool. I can't think of a worse thing. There's a lot to draw out of just these six verses here, but the thing I want to point our attention to here is is this right here, is that whatever stuff you have on earth, whatever stuff that you have now currently in this present world, whether it's good stuff or bad stuff, whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, whether whether you're wealthy or whether you're scraping by, none of that regulates whether or not you can be rich toward God. You can have a, you can have a lot of money in your bank account and be rich toward God. You cannot have a lot of money in your bank account and you can still be rich toward God. The thing that Jesus is stressing here is that we would be rich toward God regardless. This, this is the thing that Jesus is saying, this is the thing that's paramount. This is the thing that's number one. This is the thing that's apex. This is the thing that's attainable for every single one of us, that we can be rich toward God regardless of our earthly circumstance. So how do I become rich toward God? The very first thing I do is, is I give myself to God. If I want to be rich toward God, then I give myself to God. Jesus doesn't really care about your stuff. He cares about you. He wants you. That's what He wants. And if I give myself to God, then that means that I've given everything that I am to God. It means that I've given everything that I have to God. Everything that I'm responsible for, then it belongs to God. It belongs to Him. I don't know who said this first, but maybe you have heard this before. This quote. It says this, If one first gives himself to the Lord... All other giving is easy. If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. God, I'm yours. Everything I have belongs to you. Everything I am belongs to you. Everything that's in my, all my time, all my talents, all my treasure, it belongs to you. All my influence belongs to you. All my resource belongs to you. All my energy, God, belongs to you. God, take Take my job, God. Take my, my wealth, God. Take my family, God. Take my kids, God. Some of you are like, yes, God, please take my kids. <laughs> You're like, Some of you are like, yes, I'm ready for Thanksgiving break to be over, God. My kids can go back to school. But seriously, everything that I have belongs to you, God. Paul said this to the Corinthian church. He said this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. So honor God with even your bodies. It's not just about lip service in the way that we honor God. But it's with everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that's our, at our disposal, that's what we're going to use to honor God with. That's what we're going to use to give worth, ascribe worth to him with. It's like at the very core of you, there is a heart cry. This says, God, I don't need all that other stuff. I just need you. So all of me already belongs to God, right? So if that's the case, then I'm not going to act like an owner, but I'm going to act like a steward. Act like a steward and not an owner. It's not like, well, I'm just going to steward this portion because this is the portion that belongs to the Lord. No, all of it belongs to him if i 've given all of myself to him, then it all belongs to him so i 'm just i 'm not just stewarding a portion i 'm stewarding, stewarding all of it as if it belongs to him what does that mean steward? like i 'm managing it i 'm like God has made me a financial manager, a resource manager i 'm a resource in resource management. the resources that God has given to me that he 's entrusted me with here on this planet, in this present world, I get to manage them in such a way, not because I own them, but because he's entrusted them to me. And then I get to manage them in such a way, invest them in such a way that they can make the most eternal impact. I get the most reward in eternity. All my talent, all my time, all my treasure. I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. Psalms 24.1, we're all familiar with this one probably. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So i want to live my life like a steward, not an owner. And the secret to being a good steward is just to ask the owner, what does he want done with it? That's, that's the bottom line. You just go to the owner and say, hey, God, you're the owner of all this. What do you, how do you want me to steward it? What do you want me to do with it? If you want to be rich toward God, give yourself away. If you want to be rich toward God, then act like a steward, not an owner. And if you want to be rich toward God, be intentional. Be intentional with your time, be intentional with your talent, be intentional with your resources, your treasure, your influence, whatever's at your disposal. Be intentional with it. Ask the question, how can I maximize or how can I invest my life in such a way that it maximizes the difference that I can make in eternity? How can I invest my life in such a way that it maximizes the difference that I can make for eternity? Paul also said this to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. He says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind on what you will give. This is in the message. I really like this. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. So you mean, wait a second, you mean God doesn't just want me to be manipulated in the moment? Listen, there, like I told you last week, there is an opportunity. There are special moments and special times for spontaneous giving. And that, that, that is something that you, you really need discernment for. And when the Holy Spirit moves on you to do it, you better be obedient to do it. But our, the, our giving, the hallmark of our giving, it ought to be known for being intentional. Because God's saying, hey, I don't want you to just... If, if you're just going to move by emotion all the time, then you're actually not going to be the best steward of what I've given you. So God's like, hey, I, I want you to be protected against just sob stories and arm twisting. You need to be intentional and realize and think through and hear from my spirit how it is that you're supposed to intentionally steward what I've given you. And I love this. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God wants us to enjoy being generous. He wants us to have a good time as we're living out the legacy of Jesus and as we are continuing to leave Jesus' legacy here on earth behind us. Amen? And he wants us to be intentional. That's why last week I announced to you that we're going to do this legacy offering on Sunday, December 9th. It's in, in two more weeks from now. And this is, this is, this is um, not springing it on you at the last moment. You know, we're not going to show some sappy, you know, video of a dog getting beat out in the street. You know, it's not an ASPCA video or anything like that. And you're like, call now and pledge your money and save these animals. We're, what we're doing is we're being intentional. We're giving you time to go to the Holy Spirit and to consider, God, what is it that you want me to give? And the thing about this offering, this is an offering that is above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. This will not, this, it's gonna be, there's going to be two offerings on this day. We will still receive our normal tithes and offerings on that day. And then we'll take another offering later in the service that will be above and beyond. This will be the legacy offering. And our intention with this offering is to give every single bit of it away. We're going to find the very best avenues here in Middle Tennessee and around the world where we can invest the legacy offering in such a way that it will make the greatest impact for eternity. It's something to be excited about, you guys. It's something to be excited about. You guys, as a, as a church that's just, just over a year old, I'm excited that this is like the kind of culture that we're building. I'm excited that what kind of offering are we going to be able to take, not just in two weeks from now, but what kind of offering are we going to be able to take 10 years from now? That's what I'm excited about. What kind of, what kind of culture, what kind of, of pavement are we laying now so that later we can come behind and, and drive a little bit faster on this road? And give a little bit more. And make a little bit more impact. That's what I'm excited about. It's going to be good. We want to leave a legacy. We want to plant the the seeds of salvation into the hearts of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Amen? This might sound like a kind of a weird note to end on. But um, I want you to think about this. It's likely that you will miss what you spend on the things that you waste. Or at least you, you feel like it was wasted. You know, you might go out tonight and you might have a really great dinner, really expensive dinner, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with, like, having a nice, expensive dinner from time to time. But it's also likely that the next day you're going, oh, man... That was good, but I don't know if it was worth all that. You know what I'm talking about? It's likely that you you might miss some of the money, some of the resources that you you poured into that new toy that that you just had to have, that new pair of shoes that's already scratched up. You're going to miss that money, but you will never miss what you decided to invest into eternity. You'll never miss it. You'll be glad, whatever it is that you spent, whatever it is that you invested, you'll be glad that you did it and you'll, be, you'll wish that you were in the position to have done more. I know that's, that's my heart, that every time I give, I, may, I, I wish, God, I pray that you would continue to provide seed to the sower because, God, I want to continue to be generous. God, I want to continue to invest in people's lives. God, I want to continue to make a difference in the lives of people. And you think, well, well, it's just money. It's not, you know, it's not salvation. Listen, money is influence. You guys have heard me say this before and you'll hear me say it over and over and over again because you need to understand the power of it. Money is influence. So the question is, is how are you going to spend your influence to make in a different, to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven for all of eternity? Again, there's nothing wrong with having a nice dinner from time to time. But I, wanna, I want to not just be worried about this. I want to keep in mind this. It goes on and on and on. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we want to hear what you're saying to us. We want to hear what you're saying to us. Those of us that have kind of maybe been discouraged by our temporary circumstances, by the, the circumstances of this present world, I pray that you would encourage us and that you would remind us ah, that there's a coming age and that we can be rich toward you, God, and that we can invest into the coming age, no matter how much or how, many, or how little resources we have today. Give every single one of us wisdom in how we can be intentional with our lives, with our serving, with our giving, with our words, with every part of our lives. Help us invest our lives in such a way, God, that it makes a difference that outlives us. You might be here today and what we were talking about here with the line and the dot really resonates with you. It really touches home with you because you might say, wow, yeah, my entire life has been about the dot. It's not been about God at all. It's not been anything to do with Jesus. It's been about me and what I've been able to pour right here into this minuscule amount of time while I'm here on earth and Maybe there's stirring, something stirring on the inside of you to change your life. I want to give you some good news. God's not waiting on you to change in order to do a work in your life. All he's waiting on for you is for you to just come home. He's just waiting on you to realize that eternity is your home. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to jump through any hoops. It just starts with you saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, you gave your life for me, so I give my life to you. And I want to stop being so carried up and caught up with the dot. And I want my life to make a difference that lasts for eternity. That's you today. I want to invite you to pray with me. To say to God, I'll give my life to you. You can just do that right now. I'm going to pray. You can just, where you're sitting right there, you can join me in your prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that you came to earth, God, in the form of a man named Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that you lived a perfect life. You actually lived a life that, that, God, you created me to live, but I've not been living. And Jesus, you died a death that I totally deserved. But you're not going to make me die that death because you love me. And that you rose from the dead and you conquered hell and death and sin so that I could be in right standing with you, so that I could be in relationship with you again. And I thank you for that. And I just want to give my life to you now. I'm tired of doing my life my own way. I want to give my life to you. And I want to do it your way. I want to stop spending so much of my life in the dot. And I want to start spending my life in such a way that it makes a difference for eternity. So I thank you that you have, you've already forgiven me of my sins. But God, I come to you with a repentant heart. I come to you saying, God, I turn from that way of living. I turn from doing things my own way. And I turn toward your way of living. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to make a, help me make a difference with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.